Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, Season 1, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Hello, welcome back to Our New Voice. Oh, I've got a serious magic report on this one. So for the longest, you know, playing at the farm, I had this dream of, I'll call it grandmother spiders earth school, but it was a school, the earth, you know, where the families would come and we would learn together. And last summer, Three Sisters Rising, Sarah, who's one of them, came to the farm and we did some classes and I got to really experience how meaningful actions do get intentions crystallized and how magical it was to be with the families. And now Sarah, who's a mom of three and in her 30s, is going to do the questions with us too. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yes, we always have a good conversation. All right, so let's go to the questions and see what comes out. And the first one is, how are you informed of your gender? Like, how did it kind of come to be that you understood yourself the way you do now? So I would say that I come from a traditional family. And what I mean by that is, uh, actually, my parents are funny. My mom is very traditional and harder to talk to. And my dad is traditional, but very open. And so I always felt like he explained, communicated and talked about things way better than my mom, which um, is surprising to a lot of people. But uh, both of them and in general in my family, it was always uh, explained like, can I say words on here like vagina? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know if no. say or not say. You're going into how your mom and dad kind of embodied their genders a little bit. Yes, it was always, it, I guess it was just like looking at it from a biological perspective of, you know, you have a vagina, you're a girl, and we did the books and your cousins. And I had a lot of boy cousins and not so many girl cousins. So I grew up with tons of boys. And they're boys because they have a penis. Um, and then when we talk about gender roles and how I identified of like the things that I was supposed to like, those were, I would say, definitely things that I observed and learned through my interactions with my family. So I was gifted the baby dolls. I was gifted Barbies, all the pink toys, things to play in the kitchen, and I loved all of those things I did. I was definitely into princesses and things like that, but I was also always very physical and active because I had all boys, but they got all the Batman and Spider-Man toys and the cars and the trucks. And even though I actually played with all of their toys just as much as they did, they were never given to me because they weren't for girls. So I feel like the gender roles were definitely encouraged. And that's how I learned what I was supposed to like and not like, and how I, I was supposed to behave actually too, because if I was sitting improperly, it, they would say that I was not sitting like a lady. I was not sitting properly. I was behaving too obnoxiously or loud. So in so many ways, um, that kind of was like reaffirmed, reaffirmed, reaffirmed. And so that's, that's what I learned. Yeah. Sitting with you. Cause I mean, this is like episode, you know, 40 something or whatever. And uh, that comment about how you sit and the tone of your voice and mm -hmm. yourself, like that's been an undertone in a lot of the shares around how it really gets kind of subliminally taught almost right like you mm -hmm. know directives too but it's like where did that directive come like who said that women could sit away and not sit away i mean i would imagine 
the leg crossing is for the opening of the vagina or something, right? And like, yeah, I, it was very, I guess, because I was often dressed in dresses. It was always, you're not sitting properly. Everybody can see your underwear, cross your legs, like versus the boys. It didn't really matter. It didn't really matter. They could be in underwear. Nobody cared. But the girls, it was definitely what's proper, what's feminine, and what's not was something that was discussed often between, you know, my sister and I, because my sister is four years younger. And I did have a few girl cousins, but they were a lot older. So in our clique, it was like my sister and I and boys. So... You were like the ruler of the roost. You were the little matriarch on the block. Oh, yeah. Actually, yes, because I was the oldest and they kind of just did whatever I wanted. Oh. And they would they would actually also play with our Barbie doll. So in that sense, it wasn't like we were um, discouraged from using the toys of the opposite gender. That was it didn't matter. You could the boys played with Barbies. They my cousin used to, they used to fight over like who would do my hair and brush it for the longest. Um, but those gifts weren't given to, you know, the girl toys were not given to boy toys and boy toys weren't given to girls. So mm-hmm. not sure. Anyway, I guess I'm not sure how that pink and blue big frame fully played out on us, but it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And as a mom, I've noticed that all your kids are different. All my kids are different. And I, I don't, I have never said this boy toy is for girls or this toy is for boys. They play with whatever they want. My boys have a baby. They have a stroller. They have a kitchen. Um, But my youngest, even though we've never like set a preference in one direction or the other just gravitates to the boyest of the mo- the boy <laughs> like toys trucks weapons you know any tools tools over yeah mm-hmm. it's a, so it's interesting how each of your kids in the same environment you watch them also come into their preferences on their own when you don't kind of push one or the other yeah. And I think they, it's really what they like and don't like. I remember one of the twins not liking chocolate. And we we're like, oh, stop it. You, that's ridiculous. You don't like chocolate. Everybody likes chocolate. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What do yeah. you think? It's so hard to accept. But like, that was his, he didn't like chocolate. He still doesn't really like it. You know, he eats it now because he became part of it to some degree, but mm-hmm. he didn't like the taste. So, and I think what happens is that I remember writing about it younger years we kind of get to pick from everything that's around us, which ones we're going to be. Like, I remember having certain aunts influence me and like looking at them and the way they acted and what they did. And then my character kind of getting shaped a little bit around my projection onto my aunt or my idea of what she might be. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. They would act or the bag that somebody would carry and the way they would talk. Like, you know, when you're little, you're kind of watching everybody to see Mm -hmm. what. So I imagine with your, children all the people in your family they're admiring and watching and deciding what they want to make more of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without knowing it they're like oh yeah i'm kind of like that i'm gonna go do that like oh i'm like the lady who goes and has all those i used to hang out with my aunt who had five boys here i am with four and like help her in the kitchen and do things a lady down the street had three boys i would go down the block and help her lo and behold i'm a mom of these boys like i must have somewhere kind of just naturally known that I felt good being helpful and maternal and stuff. And I did it. Yes. And to speak to that a little bit more, I think as growing up as the older sister um, and a female, it definitely, it's interesting because I've observed this with other older siblings too, where the older sibling has demonstrated to be more outgoing, more social, more in that like caretaker role and the younger sibling oftentimes um, in my own life and in close friends with their kids is a bit more shy, um, doesn't, isn't as self-sufficient or independent or outgoing. And I think it's because you are set to the standard of 
you know, help your little sister, you know, you're the oldest, be nice, help her, you know, give her the toy, she wants it. So then you develop this persona of doer and your younger sibling then is robbed of the opportunity to do those things because they always had somebody else do it for them. So it it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a little dramatic with the robbed, but I hear what you're saying, like we develop differently. Yes, yes. Like, because someone else is in that strong role, like, I mean, it shows up in my family. There's a way that I believe that my younger sister has developed a lot of those strong things, but around me, it's not as easy to express them because I'm the older sister. Mm-hmm. You know, like there really is a shaping around when you're born into your family and the way you're mm-hmm. born into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Are- that we're growing into as we go on with the podcast, go past music and nature and stuff is how are we harmonizing as families? Like, how are we accepting each other's like natural process and not blaming or shaming each other for not meeting some idea when, when you grow as the firstborn in a certain environment and a certain conditions, you develop certain things because you have to, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how shy you feel inside, you have to. Mm-hmm. The big people told you to, you have to. Right. Like right. younger kids now, I don't think they're as quick to just say, okay, I'll do whatever you want. I mean, they do to some degree, but they'll challenge a little bit more. But when I was growing up, you did not challenge that stuff. No. <laughs> yeah, that was <clears throat> my mom's uh, story too. Just by the look on the face, they knew. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, I spoke too much. Or I came in, I shouldn't, I interrupted an adult speaking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's funny because I was joking about it yesterday. You think as you become that person that your mom was, that someday someone's going to be looking to your little face and moving to you. And that's not what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> like the the next one's down. We're not like watching our cues with that same fear of God in them. You know what I mean? They were just like... All right, I'm going over here. I'm going to go do this. So I'm always curious what could be the uh, the repair there because there was a certain kind of respect for my parents and there was a way that even to this day when I do things, I want to make them proud. Like I love them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so glad that they picked me, I picked them, whatever the truth is of how that game gets played. Like they mm-hmm. rock. Like, I'm so much more because they were my parents. Mm-hmm never mad at them for anything that they are you know i just i love them so much so i love making them proud but i don't necessarily want to be not thinking i'm good enough and hearing little you know ways that they would put me down because of their own insecurities you know like where mom would say something like oh you know you'll never have anyone but yourself you can't trust anyone but yourself you know that was her rant right so she would pump it into me and then I had to grow out of it and realize, well, that's not true. We actually all grow together and it's my job to take care of myself. And that's true, but I can trust other people to take care of themselves too. And and I can keep making my parents proud and not be afraid of them and not think that they're smarter than me. Just be grateful for them. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Find my own voice, you know, whereas sometimes in your thirties and forties, you're like, getting your parents' voices and your and your family's voices out of your head enough that you can kind of decide from yourself what would feel like the you that you're here to be? Yeah, absolutely. I think I have like an interesting dichotomy going on because on the one hand, as I grew up and became a teenager, I was like, I will never be like my mom and I will never do the things that she does. And when I have kids, I'm going to do these things like this. And in college, I started to explore a lot of different things that were outside of how I grew up, including religion. So I started to do like philosophy and I took some gender studies classes and I started to explore all these different ideas that were very far from how I was brought up. And I'm finding that now I'm kind of like in the middle of um, feeling the most like myself and true to me, what I want, what my purpose is, what is making me happy and being able to say no to things and stop trying to make people happy and please everyone, um, which I did for most of my life. 
And also coming back to some of the ways that I was brought up and finding true value in some of the belief systems that I grew up with, which I had vowed were like not going to be a part of my motherhood. So it's interesting how um, it, it's all playing out in my life. But I think that the key is seeing yourself and slowing down enough to being able to discern that intuitively of what I want and who I am versus all the external noise that comes at us every single day, especially as moms, where now we have the extra pressure of hearing those voices on social media too. So we have such a, an ability to sneak peek into everybody else's lives, which makes us question our own choices and our own opinions and beliefs and everything else even more. And so at the end of the day, I'm always like, how can I be true to my, my beliefs and, and how I uh, choose to show up for my family and the things that we believe in while still being able to um, be kind and honor the journey of another family or mom or person. So I think that's, that's where I'm at. I appreciate the way you are articulating yourself and that you brought it through so clear and true. And I think what you're saying is true for many. Mm. Like being yeah. able to find that inner space and not be in that race. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel complete on what else you'd want to say around how you identified with your gender before we go to the next question? Um, I think so. It was basically my, my, I guess for me, it's more how I showed up as being a woman or a female versus what I'm identifying as because I, what I am teaching at the moment in my family is that you are male or female and you can feel a certain way, but we don't discount the sex you were born. So if you were born boy or you were born girl and you can feel like you want to be a boy or a girl or something else, but we do, I guess I don't use the language. What do you identify as in my home? Really? It's, it's what you were born. And we see that on our farm, the pig is a boy, the pig is a girl, they have babies. And so I get these questions all the time from my own kids of like, well, what if I just want to be a girl or um, what did they ask me the other day? Oh, so I can share, I can share a situation of how I handle this sort of, but over the summer, Lucas was at summer camp. And when he came home, all his um, nails were painted all different colors. And I didn't react how I think some of my family would have reacted, which would have been like, take off the nail polish, boys don't paint their nails, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But I knew that it was not something that my husband and I were going to let him carry on throughout the week. So I just made a mental note to talk about it at a different part of the day. It was bath time. And I said, hey, Luke, I noticed that you have different nail colors on all of your nails. And um, I bet you like how they look who painted them? So you go, well, my counselor painted them at, at camp. I said, okay, I'm glad you enjoyed them at camp, but after your bath, I'm going to take the nail polish off. So he goes, why? It's not fair. I love the nail polish. And I said, well, in our home, boys don't wear color nail polishes. He goes, well, why is that the law? I said, well, no, it's not the law. It's just a rule of our home. When I was little, my mom didn't let me wear nail polishes either. And she didn't let me paint my lips or put makeup on because I was a little girl. When you grow up and you become an adult man, then you can decide if you wanna paint your nails, if you wanna paint your hair, if you wanna wear a different kind of clothes. So I tried to bring it back to, it's not that it's not something that nobody does or that is just, wrong to do it but to bring it back to that it's not something that we do here and not because you're a male but because you're a little kid so that as a grown-up you can decide to do whatever you want to do but it's really tricky 
that to was navigate a, those conversations. That was a good one. I, <laughs> and I still feel, I still feel like I don't quite have all the language and all the communication, but I'm really trying to make it like where this is how we, this is how we live as a as a unit. And these are our belief systems. They're not everybody's. We're going to be kind, we're going to respect, but so that we can kind of still set our, um, what would you call it? I guess, yeah, our belief system in there, but it's hard. It's tricky. Yeah. 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 Cause it seems like you're denying expression, but you're not. And what you're saying is let yourself get there. Let it take the time it takes to make those decisions. Don't run ahead of it. You know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I think yes. too much power too soon, anything too much too soon. I haven't seen it play out very well for anybody. I think that's where, that's where I'm at. I, I actually worked in, um, I worked in child abuse for five years. So some of the things that I see, and I think we're so easily influenced, all of us, right? Like we're just having that conversation of how it's easily influenced we all are. And actually when you're gonna interview a child who's been through a situation of abuse, there's such a specific interviewing protocol because of how suggestible kids are and how they remember things. So it's a very specific, and in the state of New Jersey, only a few amount of people can actually like conduct those investigations. So sometimes as I, as I'm living my life and I see things that maybe kids are watching or listening to, I'm always like, I wish we just kept it like, um, that we gave them the information when they ask for it, instead of like thrushing them with so many things, problems, issues in general, that their little brains aren't just ready to go there yet. And so my approach is if I'm asked a question, I will try to answer it as honestly as I could. And if I'm not asked the question, then I decide when I think developmentally that they're ready to have that conversation. But I also get to do that more because we homeschool versus, you know, all the things that, but my daughter comes and we, I try to have as open and as honest of conversations with her too. And I think we're in a good place. That's great. I appreciate what you're saying. It goes to the idea that everything's happening in its own time. Like things are kind of unfolding naturally. You know, some of the words that they'll say in like healing communities, like, is it up for healing? You know, even in my therapy, I'm not like, all right, let's get in there and find out what's in the back of that closet. It's like, well, no, let's see what's here right now that wants to be met and you, what you want to do with your beliefs now. Because a lot of times when things happen to us, we make beliefs then. Mm -hmm. Those beliefs inform our character, our personality, and it mm -hmm. may not be into our authentic expression or our soul, right? Because mm -hmm. guarding ourselves, and especially if you live in some kind of abusive situation, you're going mm -hmm. to believe that you're not safe. Mm -hmm. If you make protective systems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We pass down the imprint of protective systems to the next ones and the next ones. And then there we are open and little kids come in, as Tristan would say, as battery chargers to wake us back up again. Absolutely. Yes. Thank <laughs> God for that. Wonderful. So what about the next question then? Can we transition if you're ready for the next part? Yes. Okay. So how about the question of what did you learn about yourself in relationships? You kind of talked about some of that, but like going forward, like what did you learn about yourself and your ability to make boundaries or express yourself what did you learn about yourself <laughs> you oh man i yeah it was give 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 and make sure that everybody else is taken care of and that other people's needs come before yours that was basically and not so much of what was said to me but why i what i observed and what I have observed, I guess, from the women in my life growing up, because it, you know, as women, I think we definitely are encouraged to be the nurturers and the ones who give and take care of other people. And as moms in my family and watching my own mama, she barely 
took any time for self-care. I never really saw her taking time or rest or leaning into slowing down, doing less, um, being silly. I never saw my mom being silly ever. Mm. So I think that what I learned was that, that motherhood is about like a sort of martyr mentality where you give and give and give and do and do and do. And then um, when your kids are grown up, you're still in that position of like, okay, what am I going to do now? And what have I done for me? And so I am trying, really trying and not always succeeding, but trying to model for my children that Yes, motherhood is hard, but it also leaves time for doing the things that I love, like sitting in an Epsom saw bath or putting on some music and dancing. That's not the song that you want um, because I can't listen to chicken wing for 20 times in a row. So <laughs> it's um, trying to find and lean into what feels good and slow down as a mom too, which is not what I saw not from my mom and not from other women in my family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, men were served, men sat down at the table to eat first, you know, um, and. So very traditional, very like old school kind of stuff. Yeah, especially my mom's family, like visiting Colombia, which I did as a kid often. I would, I was already looked at the, I was the, the the American kid, even in my family, like, oh, she's got American values. Even though my mom was traditional, it wasn't as traditional. So I was the cousin who had American values, whatever that was. Um, so I would go in there and I would ask my mom, why are the men eating first? But that's what we did before the kids, before the women, the women served the men and just those kinds of little things where um, got laid out, right? I don't know. And the most interesting part of all, it's sometimes nice to sit down and have it served to you. Like, why wouldn't it go both ways? I don't know. And, but the funny part of all of this is that even though all the sisters, my mom is one of 12. So she's, she's got a big family. All girls, six girls, six boys. Wow. Yes. All the wives and all the sisters assumed these roles. My grandma was a matriarch. She did not clean the house. She did not cook. She, so I'm like, where did they assumed all these roles? Maybe because they had to, because mama wasn't around, right? But it's a very interesting thing because my grandma gets the food taken to her bed. Meanwhile, the men in the house eat first. So it's a very strange. It's funny. I don't, I'm I mean, not if she sure. had the 12 of them, they must have at some point all been helping her take care of it. And she was just having the babies and doing what she was doing. I mean, in some ways, having like 12 kids is like having a team. And if you can get them to be self-sufficient, you're in a good way. That's what they were. They were self-sufficient. And all the older sisters assumed the role of mom. And she actually was a teacher. So she would work and, and work far. So she wasn't in the home often, but yeah. so I did, I grew up seeing all of that and then assuming so much of it, especially in the earlier years of my motherhood, where it's just recently been, I would say really the last two years that I'm like, okay, who is Sarah? What does she want? What does she enjoy? And what am I saying no to? And how am I setting boundaries? How old are you right now? I'm 34. <laughs> I forget how old I am. I'm 34. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense that you're starting to check out all those things in the early 30s. That makes a lot of sense, Sarah. Yes. And, and it's really amazing to hear how much you see and understand about things, you know, even though I know as an older person that there's so much more, but your more is going to be even more, more than my more, because you're where I wasn't then. Like, you know, some parts I was and some parts I wasn't, you know, I think more in my forties is when the boundary thing got really loud. I guess my late thirties, really the boundary thing. Mm -hmm. You're just like, wait a minute, everybody around me is kind of like 
doing a little less than me or I'm overdoing or I'm tracking everyone else's emotions. Do you know what I mean? Like I just start to recognize that I was making myself the hub of the wheel, I remember. Yes. And that that was a bigger responsibility than maybe I needed. Mm. Yeah, you put it on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's always from us to us about us and we use each other to play the shit out. Oh yes, absolutely. I, that's one of the hardest lessons I'm trying to teach my daughter. And I think she's navigating it pretty well is like, be kind to other girls. Right. And be the kind of girl who lifts another girl up and stop the cattiness, stop the gossip. Don't get involved. Um, and it feels so nice. And when I do it, like I try to do it when I'm like aware and mindful. But if I see somebody wearing something nice in a public bathroom, like I love your shoes or you look so pretty or just instead of the opposite that we're so used to with these, even these stare downs of like, com- you know, competition. I don't know where that comes from. So that really comes from like trying to compete for for men and attention and like survival. I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder how powerful Disney really is Mm. because there's something about the way that girls get ideas of being some forms of princesses and being picked and being the one that, and then it started as so much competition because in my gender studies and women's studies, when I was in college, women tend to be more collaborative and relationship based, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some type of game board or something going on where instead of working together, there's been like a splitting or a cattiness. And I actually think it is getting less and less than it was. But during those years of adolescence where everybody's foundation is like wonky because they're kind of mm-hmm. stepping out of mom and dad's porch into their own like form and they don't know if it's cool or not cool. And if somebody else says yours stinks, all of a sudden you think yours stinks, you know, so you don't have to resolve in there. So I think that's why in those eras of life we can be kind of more nasty and 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 you know flippant with each other because we're so vulnerable we're so scared mm-hmm. i mean it's mm-hmm. such a hard time of of changes it's a beautiful time of changes but it doesn't it's not one that makes you feel strong it's like a time where you kind of find out what your strong is yes absolutely and they find strong and like i'm with these guys yes and I think that's all of our adolescent process in, in the uh, in the way we evolve as souls, right? Because in our adolescent energy, we're holding on to things, we're attached, we're bitching, we're complaining and stuff like that. When we mature, we let go, we let everybody grow, we're not trying to get on to anybody, you know, so it's like, you kind of have to grow through that part. So I think it is wise to let her know that whatever she reflects out of her is what's going to come back. Absolutely. Yes. I'm much more like mindful and intentional of trying to model those things to her. That's what, that's how I see it now. It's like, I could tell my kids, you know, ABCD, whatever, but if I'm not walking the walk, then it defeats my purpose. It defeats my word. So I'm trying to really model that of like healthy, um, relationships that are not just there also like for victimizing each other. And it's so easy to do that with yeah. your female friends of like throw yourselves huge pity parties and then go, well, your husband is horrible Poor you. And so I'm really trying to be the friend that shows up as like, I'm here, I hear you and I can hold that space for you. If you just want me to listen, I will, but I'm also not going to make you the victim and I'm going to help you like actually be able to work through your situation realistically and not, you know, just you know, mourning and pain with you and bringing you down. Cause that's how I see it. Like bring myself down with you. I'm going to try to actually help lift you out of where you are mm-hmm. um, in a way that doesn't deplete me too, because that was the other problem with setting boundaries is then you give and you give and you give and then you're exhausted and drained and you're like oh my gosh this has been you know it has robbed me of all of my energy and joy right now so I can't even do this so um trying to find healthy balances and really nurture those kinds of like healthy relationships versus Mm -hmm. some of the relationships I had when I was younger 
Yeah, like, because when we're younger, there's like a collusion and a bonding, you know, and then I feel strong, you know, I talked to that person and they said this, so now I can go tell this other person this. And it was all kind of like smoke and mirrors in its own way. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really the strength of your own clarity or the right timing for it. You were kind of running on the impetus of the shared emotions. Like we get into like vortexes of emotions with each other. And from those places, we become empowered to distortions. Mm-hmm. And when you find your, call it your tribe, your group, oh, it feels so good. And you feel so replenished after a conversation or, you know, a walk together or a phone call just because of the energy they're bringing into your life. Mm-hmm. And so it is become one of my main priorities as a 34 year old mom of three is to really surround myself and with th- those group of women who, who do that for me and who I can do the same for, um, in this life. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I went different parts of my life. I made sisterhoods. It's different parts because I had all sons. So, and thank God for each and every one of those sets of women, because whatever I was doing, they were too. And we could use each other to make each other feel stronger together, but not necessarily be splitting or hurtful to the people in our lives. You know, like Mm -hmm. yourself, it became clear to me younger. I was like, wait a minute. We need to like make each other feel stronger. We don't need to like weigh each other down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think my daughter's doing a pretty good job and she's doing a really good job of setting uh, boundaries at her age. She amazes me. I swear I was not able to do that at 14. She had a really close girlfriend who she was really emotionally invested in and had three awesome years with. And she went to high school before her. So when my daughter actually went in this year as a freshman, they had already started to drift apart. But a lot of things that were happening with this girl made my daughter just not, she called it, I was just not getting good energy. I didn't like the vibes. And, you know, I felt she was becoming a little toxic. And I said, okay, well, you got to decide what you want to do. And she actually put a boundary in and stopped talking to her, even though they had mutual groups of friends. And not that she was bad mouthing her or gossiping or anything, but just removed herself from the situation with such grace. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I could have never done that at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I meshed myself deeply with girls who were just not the best of friends and who I shouldn't have. But I think it makes it worthwhile to see oftentimes, even with my little ones, that when you're living from an honest place that is more authentic to who you are and you're modeling these things. And then you see them reflected in situations that your kids are playing out with each other or with other people. Then it's like high five, high five. Like I give myself all these internal high fives. Cause it's like, I thought they were listening, you know, in, in, in most days writing motherhood, you're like, what am I doing? There goes another year of therapy. Like I, I'm just, I can't do this. And then you see these moments and you're like, okay, the seeds are planted. Like they're in there and it makes it all worthwhile. And for me, I feel like I really love motherhood and I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm trying to figure out that way of like not getting burnt out and left feeling like I have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. And so each of them has really taught me so many things and is my guide. And I've removed myself from being like, what am I teaching them? Mm-hmm. And asking myself like, okay, what are they teaching me? Right, right. And in the process, I feel like it's been so healing and so good for me to, to look at it that way because I've had to go internal and I've had to go really quiet and still to heal or work on healing so many parts of me that I don't feel like I would have done if I didn't want to show up for them in the ways that I do. Oh, so, yeah. The best catalyst for growth. I agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Nice. So then it sounds like this is a good spot to uh, let everyone know what you do. Tell a little bit about this motherhood project, because as we can hear from Sarah's responses, being a mother, working with children, looking at these things is a, a passion. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's um, so I've been a mom for 14 years and I became a mom at 19. So I was a young mama. And I have my three kids, Ariana, who's 14, Jackson's four, and Lucas is eight. And Lucas is my firecracker. And he is the catalyst for me to get so passionate about motherhood and, and parenting and showing up for them and healing and all these things because he was a really difficult child to parent. And he, I would have these thoughts of like, I don't want to be his mom. And then the feeling that comes after that, how could I even say that? How could those words come out of my mouth? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I don't want to be his mom, mm -hmm. but it, I was, it, it was hard and I felt very alone and isolated. And so I started to dive really deep into all things parenting. And, um, it, you know, it goes by different names. Some people say like conscious or intentional, um, peaceful, gentle, but I like to call it parenting through osmosis, which is show up in the world and be the kind of human that you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And so I have started to try and grow my own community of mamas who really need to hear these messages like I did and do, because I always say I do the work because I need to hear it. <laughs> I need to hear it almost every day too, of like, this is the why I'm doing this. So I, um, I'm working on a few things, but what is actively going right now is um, my Instagram at a motherhood project. But uh, soon to come is going to be a blog and a website and some resources that encompass all the things that have really helped me on my own motherhood journey. So I'm excited. Wonderful. I love that you're finding enough energy to do that and the magical way that you're parenting. I'm happy to be learning so much more about you, Sarah. I love calling it organized chaos and the best kinds of chaos. <laughs> There really is such a difference when you are doing the things you love and how even though they're hard and tiring, you're still motivated and inspired because there's purpose in what you're doing that's coming from you versus like external purpose. Like I go to work because I have to pay my bills, but I don't want to. I'm miserable. I don't want to do this. Then it's exhausting and draining. So yes, there's a lot going on here. I homeschool. I have a growing homestead. So we've got like 30 plus chickens, geese, ducks, boats. <laughs> um, and I'm working on these passion projects. And yeah, it's just, it is tiring. It is a lot of work, but I'm happy. I'm in a happy place right now. But yeah, what you're creating with your passion is things you can enjoy. Like you're going to enjoy the motherhood time with the mothers. You enjoy the time with the animals and your family. Like if you're present, you get to yes. mm -hmm. absolutely. Let's transition to the next question. And uh, it is about truth and how you discern the truth and what you know the truth to be for you. How does that work? Because obviously in the chaos is the, you know, what it is, you know, chaos is perfect in its own crazy way. Sometimes it's hard to discern in chaos. So what are your ways of discerning? Go still very still and very quiet and I'm working on going with my first visceral feeling my whatever that gut intuitive thing I hear and not waiting and I've read this in several places but one book and I forget the name of it really like drove it home for me and I said yes I know because I have felt that where there's a voice that speaks really fast but if we wait too long, we've moved on and we don't listen to it. When we start asking all the questions that come on top of that, or our thoughts start to come in of all the reasons why we shouldn't do that, or we should. So I try to 
find a quiet spot, usually in my office downstairs away from the noise, because it is very overstimulating to be in a house full of kids and, and all that stuff. But um, I go and I meditate, I pray, and I go quiet, mm -hmm. as quiet as I can, and just try to ask myself the question of whatever I'm asking guidance for. And sometimes I'll pray to God. Sometimes I, I talk to my higher self. Sometimes I um, ask for guidance from like a guardian angel or um, my grandma who's passed, but was like a really inspirational woman in my life. And so I'll talk to her too. And I try to listen to whatever comes first and then stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't stay there because if I stay there, then all the other thoughts come. So whatever comes first when I'm in that moment of like, should I do this? Or is this, you know, in the best interest? Is this for my higher good or for the highest good of my family? And then boom, whatever comes get up, leave the room. That's your answer. Don't dwell on it. Cause I have found that I can easily talk myself out of things or into things. If I sit on it for too long. Definitely. I think that's a human condition. We can talk ourselves into anything. We can justify anything we want. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's a tricky part of being able to trust yourself. That's a, that's a prayer in my game. Just like, just keep me true. Just keep me not tricking myself too, because I don't want to be making believe something that's not real because then I'm not going to be happy with how I feel right because I'll be like absolutely yeah. yeah yeah that's hard I think that's so many of where my own anxieties came from and I'm not sure that it's something that you can totally avoid I don't know I think you would have to have really enlightened parents maybe <laughs> like you know for it to have just been what you know from an early age but you were human and we make mistakes and so I feel like even though we are trying our best like our kids will still have to work through their own stuff to know how to stay true to themselves um because I we What's interesting is that a lot of the religions and the things that we've used to groom good people quote unquote mm -hmm. Is to follow the rules. And I think there is a way that following the rules does help us grow kind of like a strong foundation, you know, like how you have the rule in the house about what we do here, and you could do it there. Like, because when there are no rules, you know, mm -hmm. it really create a lot of like, you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I remember working in uh, Integrity House Rehab and asking all the clients what they, feel the word safe means like what how would they feel safe and somebody said the smartest thing he said safe is when you know where all the lines are mm, yes yes what yes you know yep. they're held and, and you know like that and it because once it's movable or somebody's trying to move it or change it and the energy's going here and there but when we establish the squares and we're safe where we are then we get to be whatever we need to be to play and create who we are to start whatever, you know? Absolutely. Yes. And it takes knowing where those lines are, like you're saying, to be able to do that, right? Yeah, to communicate what that is. And it can be unique in your own environment. But at first, when you're asking, because, you know, I did it too with the little ones. Like, well, let's see what they want. Let's check what they want. And <laughs> what the hell are you doing? He's two years old. Like, I uh, oh, yes, yes. So I remember taking, uh, like, no one listened to me to like, I'm going to listen to my children, you know? Yes. But then it became clear to me that they would become unruly and not capable oh, yes. in themselves because they needed me to be the mom. I remember one of the twins saying at one point, it's like, you're the parent. Don't <laughs> ask these questions make the choice <laughs> like a parent yes like, oh yes yes definitely I think that's part of I don't even know um things can get so polarized and people can take such like different extremes of anything but I do feel like it goes from like talking about my mom and how she was parented my mom gave me the look so I know I'm about to get my butt beat and I'm terribly afraid to oh my kids can do whatever they want and 
you know, there's no safety. Oh, do you want to grab a knife? Okay, grab the knife. That's fine. Like, no, absolutely. Kids need containers and you need to provide the containers. And so I'm very much about that. On my Instagram, I think I said like simplicity parenting with a farm twist, which means when you're when you're doing work as a team, everybody pitches in whether you want to or not. So when it comes time to do a chore, go outside for the animals, I'm sorry that you don't want to go outside, but you have to. I'm sorry that you don't. So there is this piece of making sure your children are feeling seen and heard and connected to you and learning these um, tools or strategies of communication and self-regulation that I didn't have, um, right? Because so many times I find with my husband or myself sometimes still where I'm like, stop yelling at your brother as I'm yelling at, like that makes no sense, right? So it's like, how do I learn these skills to regulate myself in these heated moments of parenting, which happened to everybody? but also establish for my family what our rules and limits and boundaries are and hold them without negotiating, but from a place of love instead of a place of maybe fear or aggression. So that's the kind of work that I think is really important for, um, for families and mamas and and for kids that need those containers, I mean, yeah, for sure. And sometimes I let a situation go that I know I shouldn't um, because I'm just too tired. So I'll observe something through the corner of my eye that one of my kids is doing. And I will still knowing better that I need to provide a container in that situation, knowingly don't because I'm too tired or I'm overwhelmed or I'm like, he'll figure it out when he gets hurt and falls on his head and like, but for the most part, I try to be as consistent as I can in setting what those limits are, those really healthy limits that they need. And then once in a while, I don't because I can't. My own mental capacity is not there, but yeah. You and me can go. motherhood forever and I'm excited. I love Yes. <laughs> vulnerable you are to it one of the things that i did i found because the twins they were telepathic and i think a lot of the young people are because i talk to a lot of the little kids in ways that there's not with words when i connect to them and i found that like in a moment like you can be like okay so i see you with that knife you know you're saying it mentally and you're focusing on them and you're not adding fear and worry or control or dominance you're saying i see you with that knife and i'm wondering what you're thinking are you you know can you put that down and, and make sure that it's the right thing to do or like whatever the words like speak to them as kindly as i would like to somebody i fully trust because i think some of what makes the with parents and kids is a sense of authority and control right mm -hmm. but when you're connecting to them and they're being reminded in a gentle, subtle way, as opposed to an activating way, they might have that ability to hear that little voice, like you say, that talks first in their body and it'll match what they're hearing and say, oh, oh yeah. And then go to something else. Do you know what I mean? So I understand mm -hmm. illness and meditation to this, but I honestly think we're all gonna within 10 years realize how madly telepathic we are. Oh, yes. I, I agree. And I love the word you just said, activated, because I am, I love learning about the brain and how malleable it is and how you can build all of these connections and understanding like our own nervous system response in order to understand really what's happening to us in those moments as moms where we're so heated and triggered. Mm -hmm. And even though we are aware of what we should be doing or saying, we can't. It's like, our bodies are on a runaway train <laughs> and that word activated I feel like is exactly what happens and we activate each other even more and so now like how do I how can I handle the situation without getting in fight mode with my kid where both of our nervous systems are like I'm not backing down <laughs> and you are a wonderful example of doing that because I've learned so much from you in the short amount of time that we've spent um, together at the farm, but I feel like you do that in an amazing way where you are just describing what's happening. 
but bringing it to the attention of the child. One, that you know what's going on. And two, so that they can start to figure out, um, you know, okay, what should I do? You know, I probably should climb down or put this down or without having to forcefully say, and sometimes we do some things that require safety. You just got to pick your kid up and throw them over your shoulder. Like there's no, you know, some things are immediate, but so many things with learning these skills, like you have, you can navigate those situations so differently. Thank you. Thank you for seeing that and saying that. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Really, really enjoy children a lot. And I find that I can speak the most authentically around children mm. because I'm not, they know I don't have an agenda. I, they know I'm just sitting there observing with them in the most curious, open-hearted way. And then I'm excited that they're even talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So that comes across. Yep. Yes. Very good. Well, then we have our last question. And I think all these answers in this conversation have been great. Thank you so much. And where we're going at the end of it is what are some of the shared values that you would propose to our, you know, human family and to all of us? Like, what are your suggestions on things that we can all agree on that could be part of our new foundations? Mm -hmm. I feel like I have this conversation over and over again with my mom <laughs> of like, there, there doesn't need to be a religion or any kind of denomination for us to have a moral compass that guides us in the direction of being a good, kind human. Okay. And I feel like if we showed more love, right? That's actually one of my mantras is um, choose love, choose love, choose love when I'm upset, right? Because the response from love to situations is so different than a response that's fear-based. And so many of our decisions can be fear-based because our ego gets right, right, right away. You know, your values are being attacked, your whatever ways of doing things are being attacked, you're right. And you have to show that you're right. If we can put that away and instead choose love, I think that is the steering way towards going in a direction that is more in tune with our essence of treating each other kindly and um, being a good human, I guess, right? So then you're saying there's a, an ability for us to be kind and more loving in reflection of each other as opposed to so judging of one another. And that for you, religion isn't the only way for us to grow good people. And it might've even been a way that we became separate from other people instead of seeing other people. Yes, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And this is coming from someone who grew up Catholic and for a long time couldn't even say God once I went to college and I was so upset. And then now here today, I'm actually now able to say God and able to um, lean into Christianity a little bit. But that doesn't mean to me that this is the only way or this is the right way. And you can have no religion and still like those innate things that make you a good human have nothing to do with institutionalized religion right it's like just something that we all have in connection to source and i think you can call source whatever you want right but i do think that we are all connected to source and the more connected we are the better it feels and the more in tune we are to choosing that response that for me is just choose love you know, and I do tell myself that often, not just with my kids, but in other situations, right? Even we were talking about social media. I'll see something on social media that triggers me. And it can be so easy to get on your keyboard and type away from your mighty pedestal, right? Like, blah, 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 blah. And then I like take a deep breath and I go, okay, okay, choose love, back down. And then 10 minutes later, I don't feel the need to say what I wanted to say anymore. And I can choose to see it from a different way or understand where that person is coming from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's how I value in, in that you find a moral compass through our connections and the ripples of our actions. 
and that how we treat other people's affects us and it affects everything around us. And that when we come from that, like, oh yeah, no, like you said, being right about wherever we stand, because I think one of the wisdoms that's come through with the many gurus that come into our world is we're all part of the same truth. Mm-hmm. Different aspects of it, like we're all trees in the same forest having different views. Yes. And I love speaking to you about nature and forest because the past um, year that I've taken into homesteading and working on permaculture and learning about ecosystems and how trees work together, you know, how they really work together, even from very far away. It's amazing to me. And so I have now gained a perspective of besides the fact that I can now lean into God and, you know, Jesus and Christianity more than I could, my truth, the one thing that I do know as truth is that is nature. I can touch it. Mm -hmm. I can see it. I can feel it. And that is what we're all connected to. So for me, that has become the number one truth. And it's such a beautiful thing. So Thanks. That's a great spot. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been delicious. It's been really nice talking with you. And there's so many things we could expand on. So when we do have those gals together and mothers, so much that can be talked about. And there's so much that we can go on about with children. And who knows, maybe somewhere down the road, there'll be an our new voice for children so we can really get smart. Oh, yes, that sounds fun. And I love talking with you. I always love talking with you. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to all the new and exciting things. Yeah, we'll see. So we tend to like wrap it up in a good way. So let's just say thank you to everything that brought us here today. Like all the magical synchronicities, all the ways that possibilities come together. May it help us deepen our faith and our trust in the way that there is in fact some universal design that's helping us align and come into this ability to share our gifts. And I just want to release everybody's energy who we spoke about today, everybody's energy back to them fully healed in present time and take all of our own energy back to us fully healed in present time and agree to focus on growing divine and that each person has a sovereign, unique expression of their authentic gifts. And our job during these shifts is to give space for their grace and room to bloom. So thank you so much for this space and this time in this room with Sarah. May all things continue to grow as they are intended and may the magic the meaningful actions that get intentions crystallized continue to inform us of the way to grow. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtrustfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Turning in all the directions, calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's gonna set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me, show me the way. I know, we will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered, stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the 